That's Proverbs chapter 4, starting at verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, do not go to it, turn away from it, and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the dawn of light, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your, you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. That's Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, 
Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Planning for the future is a popular London pastime. Uh, Not a lot of people are happy with the house that they live in, or the job that they have, or the standard of living that they enjoy, and so they plan. How can I save for my deposit? How can I sculpt my CV to get that next promotion? How can I make sure that I can retire comfortably? Uh, Some here today won't have entered the world of work, uh, but perhaps you're planning to. How do I make sure I get the grades that I need for the course I want to take or the experience that I need for the job I want to do? All of these are valid questions to ask, but I wonder if we've ever asked ourselves a far more important question about the future. How am I going to make sure that I'm still a Christian in 20 years' time? Perhaps you're here today just looking into Christianity, and you see the relevance of this question better than most in here. Uh, I reckon you know a few people who went to church as a child or as a student, uh, but how many do you know that are still keen Christians? I still remember the day that I looked around my university Christian union and realized that in just a few years, uh, some of those people uh, would have given up on following Jesus. How am I going to make sure that I'm still a Christian in 20 years' time? Well, Paul wants to help us, in his words, to stand firm. Uh, We had it back in chapter 1 and at the start of this central section of this letter, and we return to it in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. As we heard a few weeks ago, Paul knows the all-surpassing worth of knowing Jesus who saved him. He knows the all-surpassing worth of being in the Lord, and he is willing to count everything as worthless to follow in Jesus's footsteps and to know him better. And Paul wants us too to keep following Jesus. And to help us, Paul describes the Christian life in terms of a race, a run, And while I'm basically the last person on the 4pm team that you'd expect to be talking about running today, uh, here we are. Uh, The image that Paul chooses is one of a race. Uh, And the prize at the end is the resurrection, uh, that last day when all who died following Jesus will be raised and will know him perfectly. And there are two things in this passage that Paul wants to teach us to keep us going until the very end of that race. Uh, Point one, press on like Paul. Press on like Paul. Uh, The key phrase that Paul wants to drive into our head in this chapter is press on. It's there in chapter 3, verse 14, and in verse 12. Uh, Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, that is the prize, the resurrection from the dead, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Uh, Press on. Uh, It's a word that screams exertion and effort. Not a gentle jog around the lake, but a chase, running as if to catch something, to get to the front of the pack, straining forward, every muscle and sinew working to push out that last little bit of strength and speed. That's what Paul is doing, and that's what he wants us to do too. Look at verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Press on. And already we've hit a big contrast with how many of us, I think, 
um, think about keeping going in the Christian life. Uh, we might imagine Paul being part of our RML groups here on a Tuesday, and it gets to the time when we all share prayer requests, and it's Paul's turn. And he says, well, I've spent the last 10 years or so walking around the Mediterranean, preaching and planting churches. I've had a lot of people chasing me. I've been beaten a few times. Oh, and I was stoned once, and now I've been arrested again for preaching the gospel. And after this study, I need to go back to prison. But I am just so desperate to serve like Jesus did and to know him better. So my prayer request is, please pray that I would be released from prison so that I can keep going with all of my might. And maybe that even in prison, I'd be able to write and pray and strive hard to know Jesus and to make him known. And maybe after that long prayer request, we're thinking, whoa, Paul, chill out a bit. Pace yourself. You're in it for the long haul, and this just isn't a sustainable way to live your Christian life. But no, Paul presses on. Not a jog, but a run, a chase. Now, Paul was a man who was deeply aware of his own weakness. He's the same man who wrote that um, bit of 2 Corinthians that we read out together. He knows that it is good to rest and it is good to take time to enjoy God's good gifts. It's part of being human. Uh, But his basic attitude here isn't, can I make this manageable? It isn't, can I make this fit with the other things in my schedule? Uh, The secret to keeping going as a Christian isn't slow down or find a balance. It is to press on. Press on to know Jesus better. Press on in self-sacrificial service like Jesus. Strive side by side with our brothers and sisters for the advance of the gospel. I take it we're a little bit like great white sharks. If If we stop swimming, if we stop pressing on, we will suffocate and die. Or perhaps, more obviously, we're like runners. And this is the one bit of running that I am very aware of. Uh, If you don't press on, if you don't keep going, uh, you will just slow down and stop. Uh, Paul presses on. Uh, But how could he possibly be doing this, um, we ask? I'm told that about 90% of running is mental rather than physical. And Paul seems to agree because the next thing he wants to let us into is his mindset, Uh, not his physical fitness plan or his spiritual training regime, uh, but his runner's mindset in verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Think this way. It's a mindset. Uh, What keeps Paul pressing on? Uh, Well, we press on because we belong to Jesus. Uh, Look down at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, he says, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Uh, Paul, he's pressing on to know Christ. That's his prize. And he is reaching out to grab that prize because Jesus has grabbed hold of him. Perhaps he's thinking back to that day um, or that life that he had before. Uh, Paul was a persecutor of the church, chasing after Christians to have them beaten and killed. Uh, But Jesus took him, grabbed him, and turned him around. He had mercy on him. He filled him with his spirit. And he even gave him a part to play in his plan to reach the world. Uh, Many of us will have stories like Paul. Uh, We were lost, 
but Jesus made us his own. In the running image, it's like he's written his name on our running shirts. Olympians, they have their country, they have France or Kenya or another country written on the front. Christians, we have Jesus's name on our running shirts. Jesus has made us his own. And so we press on. We press on because we belong to Jesus. And we press on because we will be with Jesus. Uh, Look down with me at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If anyone could look back over his life and think, I can slow down a bit, it's Paul. But he doesn't dwell on the past, whether it's good or bad. He sets all of his attention on the prize ahead. Because it is, he knows, far better. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus, he says. I think he means living with our creator and our saviour forever. And I wonder if we really understand how much better a prize that is than the life that we enjoy now. Its worth really is all-surpassing. If you ask a Christian, they should tell you that knowing Jesus is the best thing about our life. So how much better will it be to see Jesus face to face? How much better will it be to know him perfectly? In his presence, whether in heaven or in the new creation that he'll bring when he returns, knowing him, there will be no more sin, no more sadness, no more suffering. He will wipe every tear from our eye and we will spend eternity with him. As Aaron was saying, it's the life that we were made for. And even if you're just looking in today, I hope you can see that that would be a life worth pursuing. We press on because we will be with Jesus. And now this is the mature mindset that Paul wants us to have. It's the mature mindset that God will help us to grow if only we ask him. We've been one to something wonderful. We know Jesus. We belong to him. We have a part in his mission. But what lies ahead is far, far better. And so we press on. And not jogging or wondering or gently slowing down, but striving and serving and speaking. How am I going to make sure that I'm still a Christian in 20 years' time? We press on like Paul. And we do that together. Uh, Point two, pick good running buddies. Uh, Pick good running buddies. If you look down at verse 17, uh, Paul's language makes it really clear uh, that we're doing this running together. Uh, Brothers, join in imitating me. Uh, Keeping going is a team sport. Uh, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the pattern, according to the example that you have in us. Uh, Once we've seen Paul's pattern of life, pressing on to know Jesus and following his footsteps, we are meant to copy it. And we're meant to look out for others living that way and copy them too. In the race, these are our running buddies, the people you go to park run with, who run at about the same pace as you and are heading for the same finish line. 
Uh, my one recent running experience was actually at Ashburnham on a 4 p.m. weekend away. Um, on a previous weekend away, I had foolishly promised uh, that I would go on the afternoon run the, the next time we were on a weekend away, of course. And so the next time rolls around, and um, because my friend, uh, who was organizing the running, had a very good memory, I found myself outside in my sports kit, uh, wishing that he had a worse memory. It was just me and him, unsurprisingly, uh, running 5K around the lake. But I can honestly say that I would not have made it without him as my running buddy. On my own, I would have got halfway round and slowed down. I would have looked back at the meagre distance that I'd covered and thought, that is good enough, isn't it? But he was there beside me, sometimes ahead of me, sometimes just beside me, egging me on, and more importantly, showing me how to run. He was a brilliant running buddy, and I made it to the end. Example is such a powerful thing. And Paul says it will help us to reach the finish line of the Christian life as well. We need to find good running buddies. We need to look out for people who live out the example that we've seen in Paul. People who press on to know Jesus better. People who press on in humble, self-sacrificial service, because that's what Jesus did. People who press on for the sake of the gospel and whose lives look like striving and straining towards the finish line. Who comes into your head when you think of that? These are good running buddies. Their example will help us to run ourselves, so we should seek them out, watch them, spend time with them, make them our friends. I'm sure that many of us have stories of more mature Christians whose godly examples have helped us to get going, or keep going. But if we don't, then find someone and watch them. Ask yourself, who around me is going to help me keep going for the next year, the next five years, the next 20 years of the Christian life? Pick good running buddies. Uh, But this encouragement comes with a warning too, uh, because there are some very bad examples out there, uh, some very bad running buddies. Uh, Look down with me at verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies of the cross of Christ, uh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, Perhaps the person springing to your mind when I say that is the atheist twirling their moustache, insulting Jesus and plotting the downfall of the church. And now, obviously, if that's the person you have in mind, it is definitely a bad idea uh, to pick that person as your running buddy. It's a bad idea to pick outright non-Christians as running buddies. Uh, But that doesn't explain Paul's tears, his emotional warning. Uh, That means these people must be closer to home. They probably called themselves Christians, uh, but now they're no longer part of the Philippian congregation. Uh, These people probably still call themselves Christians. And the problem isn't necessarily how they speak, it's how they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their pattern of life is no longer cross-shaped. What do I mean by cross-shaped? Jesus humbled himself, enduring suffering and even death on a cross to serve others. That's Paul's pattern. 
That's Jesus' pattern, and that should be our pattern. But these enemies of the cross, they might call themselves a Christian, but that's not their pattern. They look just like the average Londoner. As Paul describes them in verse 19, we can see that that shoe fits. Their end is destruction, he says. Their God is their belly. These enemies of the cross, they worship their appetites. They follow their stomachs. Why did you do that, you ask them? Because I felt like it, they say. Why did you buy that thing or move to that place? Because it made me feel good, they say. Their attitude is that they will read the Bible if they feel like it. Go to church if they feel like it. There's no hint of the fact in their lives that following Jesus means denying themselves, taking up their cross and following him. There's no hint that knowing Jesus is infinitely better than anything else that they could have. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame. As we look back on our lives, all of us will have things that are shameful. Uh, We stumble and sin and do things that dishonor God. But when these enemies of the cross look back, uh, those are the memories that they are proud of. They're the photos that they put up on the walls of their rooms. Uh, Those were fun times, they say. You didn't go to that party or watch that TV show or sleep with your girlfriend, they say. Why not? I I did that back then. I was a Christian. Their glory is in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. Ultimately, enemies of the cross focus solely on the here and now, the concerns of this world. Their minds are fixed on the next holiday, the next night out, the next job, the next home or home improvement project. They are running the race with their eyes firmly fixed on their feet and not the finish. And ultimately, Paul says, this is a doomed way of life. Their end is destruction, is how he starts out the little description. Uh, These enemies of the cross, they are sleepwalking towards destruction, running towards a cliff. And if you're in a cross-country race, it is obvious that when you see somebody running towards a cliff while looking at their own feet, that is not the person that you want to be running alongside. That is not the person you want to be picking as a running buddy. Some here today will be heading off to university soon or moving to other cities for work. And as you move to a new place, you are going to have the choice of churches and of Christians to call your friends. So beware, Paul says. There are some that call themselves Christians who live as enemies of the cross. You need to pick good running buddies who are pressing on to follow Jesus and who are going to help you to press on too. Because when you compare the enemies of the cross to what we have as Christians, it is just no contest. Look at verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Our eyes are fixed on the finish line, 
on heaven, our true home, and on the Savior that we will meet there. Our eyes are fixed on that day, the resurrection of the dead. That is where our glory is. That is the day when we will be made like Jesus, transformed and glorified. We have an incredible future. So pick good running buddies and press on together. How am I going to make sure that I'm still a Christian in 20 years' time? Perhaps that's a question you've thought about a lot. Perhaps it's a new one today. If that question even crosses our mind, the temptation will be, slow down. The temptation will be to say something like, pace yourself. You've made it this far, so you can afford to slow down. But slow down becomes stop serving, and stop serving becomes stop coming to church, and stop coming to church becomes stop praying, stop listening to God and his word, stop speaking of Jesus. And eventually you slow down enough that you reach zero miles an hour and stop. But Paul's answer is press on. Press on. Obviously there are things to say about rest. Obviously there are things to say about capacity. But Paul's basic answer is press on. Strain. Chase. Pursue. Make your overriding aim to know Jesus to know him better and to follow him more wholeheartedly and look to those who do the same. Uh, Let me finish by reading 4 verse 1 again. Um, I think Paul is cheering us on here. If we've heard this as a heavy word, um, we need to hear the heart behind it. He is cheering us on. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the pattern of pressing on that we have in Paul. Please help us to imitate him and to run alongside others who do the same. Please protect us from fixing our eyes on those that might cause us to stray from you. And please give us mature minds that see the all-surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, really wanting to know him and follow in his footsteps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.